0: Welcome into to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and uh, I honestly can't claim to be super excited to be doing this particular show. Gotta be honest with you, uh, you know, oftentimes... Uh, regardless of the score out there on the field, I can find a lot of things. I just love baseball, love talking baseball. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, I just love that I get to do this with all of you. But days like today and yesterday are definitely the most difficult part, sort of intellectually and philosophically, about doing the job. Because there are so many things to take away from the Rockies' lack of activity at the trade deadline, and so many things, I think, to take away about the trade deadline in general this year, many of which I wrote about, and and I hope you all will take the chance to go and read that. And so it can be difficult to sort through them all, because I am very much with a lot of the consensus. And yet one i don't feel it serves anybody to be the thousandth person to dunk on the colorado rockies and and i don't think it, that's what anybody comes to me for at this point anyway right of course i have to reiterate what you know the fairest points that most people have made which is that the rockies did very legitimately here have an opportunity, a few opportunities to make themselves better in the future without really in any tangible way or in any way that matters hurting their present, even as far as just like next year, right? That even if you accept their premise that they intend to compete in 2023 and that they believe they can get there. And even if you agree on some level that they can do that, it was still a missed opportunity to not trade any of Jose Iglesias, Alex Colomay, potentially some other people, Randall Gritchick, Chad Cool. Again, to, to go over on that group, And then it plays, of course, so heavily into all of the narratives and all of the dunking when you're the only team in baseball that doesn't make a trade. And here I'll start with a little bit of the pushback where that, quite frankly, to me, couldn't care less. That is part of, I think, my issue here. Not that specifically, but kind of what it represents. This idea that, regardless of the specifics, the Rockies didn't do what they're supposed to do. And that is a bit more problematic for me. Because while I think it's incredibly frustrating, and even on some levels... Like, I don't like to use words like unacceptable, but I also don't think that they justified it in their post-trade deadline comments, right? Some of the comments having to do with a limited budget, that doesn't have anything to do with this. Nobody's asking you to spend money. In fact, if anything, you you could have saved some money here. If you could have found, for example, uh, traded Randall Gritchick for an A-ball player and eaten half of his contract, but get some team to eat the other half of it, right? Most of the players in question are guys making veteran money, even if it's not much, in exchange for which you would be looking for prospects who make less than dirt. So you you were going to save money if you pulled off any of these reasonable deals. So that doesn't track. So, man, what a mess. What an absolute mess, because they, in the grand scheme of things, I'll say this part, because again, I feel like a lot of people come to me for the, will you please explain this to us, or can we get some therapy, or what, are there any silver linings here, and I try to look at it from every angle, and I really do try to do my best, even in these moments, when it's so easy to join the literally hundreds, maybe thousands of people on line and and everywhere from all of the regular sports people to even just like local broadcasters and the news and your grandma on Twitter, like everybody dunking on the Rockies, right? And it would be so easy for me to come on here and for 30 minutes just join the chorus and come up with as many clever ways to say they were asleep at the wheel and they don't know what they're doing and they care more about loyalty. But you're here because you've heard all that stuff before, And it's not that there's not some truth to a lot of it, but it's just not the entire story, right? When you look at the pragmatics of what the Rockies failed to do yesterday, they didn't miss some grand opportunity to completely reshape their organization or to land. A superstar prospect. The guy in my mind, it's most, again, I'll use the word, unacceptable that they didn't trade as Alex Colomay. See, the Iglesias thing I get a little bit. I'll get back to Colomay in a a second. Iglesias, I don't think there were many suitors for You might say, well, surely somebody give you something. Not necessarily. If nobody's offering you anything for this guy, you can't just trade him. A trade requires two people. And as much as Jose Iglesias is having a nice year, he doesn't have a skill set that is specifically valuable to a team that's in contention right now. All the teams that are in contention right now have their shortstops. And don't need a guy who's almost certainly going to be a downgrade defensively from what they've got. And probably a downgrade from a power standpoint. Could they use him as a bat off the bench? That's not really what contact guys are used for in baseball anymore. And now with the DH around, there's just not... So I could see there just not really being anybody out there who wanted Jose Iglesias. That may not be the case, but there's at least something you can say about that. The column A one... There's no way that wasn't the case. I mean, Colome has been pitching well in an environment where it's very difficult to pitch. And as a reliever, every single contender would love to enhance their bullpen, right? It's the exact opposite of the Iglesias thing where it's like, where does he even fit? Colome fits everywhere. I don't think it's likely he's going to sign back next year. And I guess there's a scenario in the Rockies' minds where the only way now that this they they basically painted themselves into this corner where the only way they will even have a chance to say I told you so about this is like they'll have to sign all of these guys again in the off season. No guarantee that happens, right? You would need to re-sign Iglesias and Colome in uh, for for very team friendly contracts. And in particular, in Iglesias' way, with an understanding that he'll need to be a veteran presence and a backup should Ezekiel Tovar emerge. Like, all of this stuff would need to work, and the Rockies would need to be really good next year. If they do run it back with all these guys, then fine. I'll at least, you know, give them the credit for it. We'll see if, if others do. But that's so unlikely with this specific group, and it's not even, you know, necessary. I don't think Colome comes back. And as many have said, has been said thousands and thousands of times in the last 24 hours here, it's better to get something than nothing when he almost certainly will walk away in free agency. That said, to again, do the the thing that I've sort of carved out for myself here, to try to do my best to calmly... View all perspectives and put it in context. Do you remember, and I'll, I'll do it as a pop quiz now for everyone listening, do you remember the name of the guy the Rockies got from Michael Givens? Is anybody? There's, there's actually two of them, right? There's Ashton Godot, who may be done, and Noah Davis, who is the Rockies like 24th to 30th ranked prospect and may never see the big leagues. He might, right? But he's a borderline prospect at all, right? And that's for Michael Givens, who was having a very similar production season to what Columet is having now. So while it is absolutely the case that on principle, the Rockies did the wrong thing. It is also a part of the conversation to say, how big of a screw-up was it? How big of a missed opportunity was it? They weren't going to get a top 10 guy in their system. They probably weren't going to get somebody who would be a top 20 guy in their system for either of these players, Iglesias or... Or column A. I still think they should have done it and gotten guys who would be their 27th and 28th best prospects moving forward again I if that was on the table I absolutely would have done it and again it's always easy to accurately and oftentimes colorfully dunk on the Rockies for screwing up the process right? But I still submit that the teams who are operating cynically, who actively made themselves worse, especially the teams who made themselves worse, who are in contention or even in first place, who are cutting costs and people are giving them credit for it and calling them winners at the trade deadline. Like, that's another issue altogether. Right. I I personally think that that's worse. And I think that there has become this huge sort of media bias and sensation around the trade deadline because it gives us so much content. And look at me alone. I wrote three or four or five articles on guys who make for good trade candidates, guys who don't, how the Rockies should generally move forward, this, that, the other, several podcasts about it, right? It's something to talk about. And some teams do make big, dramatic changes at this time, right? We saw several of them there. Padres, <laughs> you know? And then, obviously, you know, what's going to happen with the Nationals? And... But, We rarely anymore, and I don't know about anymore. I, I'm not maybe maybe not even old enough. To, eh, it feels nice to not be old enough, or something. Or maybe not quite old enough to make that comment about a change over the years. So I'll, I'll just say that from my observation, it seems like even in the last ten years, there has grown a hyperfixation on transactions and a media driving force for there to be more and more and for them to cover more and more and for there to be rumors and for there to be leaks and for that and all of this stuff to happen and for teams to get judged on that in the moment. But we rarely go back and look at, you know, how often do these teams that sell off their best players at the trade deadline... That you end up calling winners for being smart, or at least they did better than these Rockies who did nothing. But how often do you go back and look, and two or three years later, those teams haven't gotten anything out of those players that they got, and they haven't rebuilt. And they really just did something to be seen as doing something, and they got credit in the media, and they that means that they get a little bit of leeway from their fans for being bad on purpose. And there's less and less of an incentive for teams to try to win, to try to be good. If you can't be the Yankees and the Dodgers, and now I guess the Padres, which is an interesting wrinkle to all of this, I'll admit, you know, why even try? And so, yes, the Rockies should have done a lot more at the trade deadline. And yes, I think it is fair, in fact reasonable and necessary to criticize Bill Schmidt for some missed opportunities here, but I also think it's for anyone seeking to have a truly objective conversation and I guess, you know, it was really interesting to see the number of people who just came out in the last couple of days that I really don't and I and I mean some people in media like you know, screw them. They don't deserve that and it's like I You know, I've said this before and now seems like the right time to say it again. Regardless of how you feel about benefit of the doubt and who you give the benefit of the doubt to, everyone deserves the benefit of the facts. Everyone deserves the benefit of fair and proper context. It's why I get so frustrated at the $50 million narrative, right? that the Rockies lost $50 million over Nolan Arenado, And I say, no, they didn't. They gained $150 million in financial flexibility. And then people say, well, what are you... So you're saying it was a great move? I said, no. Absolutely not. I never said that. And, and I find myself in a similar situation here, right? Did the Rockies screw up yesterday? Absolutely. freaking lutely I was very curious to see if they could defend and justify it. And I'll say this. I thought the year before, last year, at the same time, I thought Bill Schmidt did an excellent job of explaining why they didn't trade Trevor Story and John Gray in explicit detail. Now, the John Gray thing still blew up in their face. So, again, while that looked a little better, pragmatically, it was the same thing, right? If you end up losing these guys for nothing. But he at least explained that they believed they had a great opportunity to sign John, that they had been in talks, that they believed there was an extension in the works, and that that was more likely to benefit them than anyone they were going to get in a trade in return, which it probably would have been in hindsight and in, for, in a lot of people's foresight. And he explained, and I thought this was really interesting because this is something Jeff Breidich never would have done. But last year, Bill Schmidt explained during the Trevor Story situation that the team was going to get a draft pick if he happened to choose to leave. Like, J- Jeff brightish would never have even crossed the bridge of what if he chooses to leave before that happened, right? And as much as, and they did offer Trevor Story a contract and they were trying to re-sign him, Bill Schmidt did say, if he turns us down, we do get a draft pick, just so you all know. So please don't go out there and report that, we're going to lose Trevor Story for nothing. Now, that didn't stop a bunch of people from reporting that and repeating it, and I hear it all the time anyway. The Rockies didn't get anything for Trevor Story. The Rockies got Sterling Thompson, the 31st overall pick in the draft for Trevor Story. So we'll see how that goes. So again... these things just tend to get way overblown. And when the Rockies create the storm and then pour gasoline on the fire by not justifying it well, handing out some bad, we are who we are quotes, and it is what it is. And, you know, we don't have the kind of money to keep up with the Joneses or the Giantses, the Dodgerses, right? Or whatever. It's like, this wasn't even about spending money, man. You could have saved some money here. You you could have done this smartly and saved money and gotten better for the future and not really cost yourself anything that the team desperately needs. You know, I would have been right there too saying, you know, they didn't need to trade CJ Cronen and Daniel Bard. I, I still think the people who were on that train were being a little bit ridiculous, quite frankly. But the the other side, the other guys who are almost certainly not going to be around next year. That's just an unforced error. That's just bad asset management. And at the professional level, that stuff is killer. And and I will say, I can't remember who tweeted this out, so sorry for stealing the point. And I think it was somebody on my Discord channel, so I'm okay. Uh, but... I think the biggest issue, right? This seemed to be like the straw that broke the camel's back for a lot of people. Or rather, the Nolan Arenado trade was. And now a lot of people are just fine jumping up and down on the camel, I guess, at this point. But because with the trade deadline anger anyway, it's been the last several years of missed opportunities now. And so while what I said about the Colomay trade earlier is still absolutely true, that... You know, they weren't going to, they more than likely weren't going to get much back. But if you add that up to six or seven or eight players of Noah Davis's caliber, if I'm using him as the example of the one time that they did do this thing, right? And they moved Michael Gibbons, a, a well performing veteran reliever at the trade deadline, and they got a couple of pitchers back that they like. And will they turn into anything? Maybe, maybe not. Probably not. But at least it was something instead of nothing, right? And, If you do that enough times, one of those guys pops, and then it kind of makes all of those trades worth it. It's like I've said about the bullpen and the starting rotation several times. You need an army of arms anyway, and you need an army of prospects, not just a handful of guys who are good. And so while none of these individual moves are egregious, all of them together are just, they're breaking people out there. And I get it. And while I think some of the rhetoric and some of the emotions are a bit overblown, and I really, really do wish at least half of that energy was directed at the people who run their teams so cynically and so purposefully to lose. And I wish someone would point to these teams that, you know, Again, someone was in my mentions the other day, meant Cubs and Astros, Cubs and Astros, they always want to point to the Cubs and Astros because those are the two teams who did the teardown and be terrible for three or four years on purpose and then actually rode it to World Series wins. And People love to conveniently forget that those teams had a whole bunch of money to spend at the end of that and ended up like signing guys like John Lester to enormous contracts. And like that was the difference between them and these other teams that end up just rebuilding for decades and decades on end. But the media gives them a smokescreen of, of credit for it. For being bad on purpose. For, well, at least, you know, it's smart business. And so the race to the bottom, as I wrote the other day, has become almost more competitive than the race to the top. Because it's another thing that the the media can cover. And it's frustrating when the Rockies play into all of that and just hand out all of this red meat with these unforced errors. It's a brutal day for the franchise, mostly from a PR standpoint. Again, I don't think in any real way any real tangible way bill schmidt like you know cost the Rockies five percent of their feet whatever i don't I don't know how to <laughs> how to measure it out like that, but it you know i I just don't think there's some big franchise shifting prospect or, or package of prospects that was out there to be had for what the Rockies had on offer. It's more the the playing into it. It's I, I guess what it is, right, is it's the difference between to to put an on field metaphor. It's the difference between somebody else hitting a walk off home run or a walk off hit against you and losing on a walk off error. Right? There's, there's a different kind of pain. You might be angry or frustrated about the walk-off home run, but the guy still had to hit a home run when it's the, the final out of the game is a slow roller to second base or something and, and the guy boots it. and Instead, the, you know, the Bill Buckner example, something like just right between the first baseman's leg and that's the ball game. That's killer. That's why that's more famous than a lot of walk-offs, right? And so the Rockies lost at the trade deadline. There wasn't much of an opportunity for them to be big winners. There was just an opportunity for them to do a little bit of smart restocking. They didn't do that. But from both a little bit of an on-field and roster and asset management standpoint and massively from a PR standpoint, They just lost on an unforced error. They just booted the ball into right field or threw it into the stands and didn't need to. And couldn't really justify it. So, yeah, that sucks doesn't mean the team is doomed forever. It doesn't mean I'm going to, you know, from here on out totally change my tune on, uh, y- you know, what I think the Rockies can do moving forward and all of that. But other than putting it in the proper context of saying it's not as bad as some people are making it out to be, that's the best I can do. It's still bad. And it was still completely Completely unavoidable, which is a bummer. So, all right, I'm going to dive into, uh, on tomorrow's episode, I'm going to jump into a bunch of talk about the NL West moving forward. I didn't really do that. Talk more about Juan Soto, the Padres, and, and not just them, also the Rockies and how they shape out, you know, with this whole Boy, the NL West is a nightmare for the next several years, right? I want to weigh in on that conversation, talk a little bit about some of the other things that happened at the trade deadline, and then you're not going to hear from me for about a week because I'm going to go off and get married, and then I'm going to come back and do the podcast more after that. But tomorrow we'll talk about the NL West. Uh, I'll give you my farewells for a little bit of time and then i'll see you on the other side of that week but thank you all for listening in to this unfortunately depressing episode of uh, 20th and blake here on the mile high sports podcast network Uh, you've been absolutely awesome out there i promise you that i will continue to be absolutely true creaseman in here and until next time i will see you at the